Hey there, people of soccer. This is ATL on Fire, the show where we'll be talking about everything Atlanta United Football Club. Sit back, buckle up, enjoy. All right, everybody, we're back for another ATL on Fire podcast. It's been about three weeks, and uh, since then, I think we've had about four or five games. Uh, we got our ass kicked by Chicago Fire, 5-1. to one. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, a really tough 13 minutes, uh, and then I turned off the TV. <laughs> First time I've actually done that for an Atlanta United game. Uh, we tied the Red Bulls at home. Three to three, and kind of a slow motion train wreck at the end of that game, where it was real high, and then uh, a big low to l- allow them to tie. We beat St. Louis, thank God, a UCL uh, team in the U.S. Open Cup, two to nothing, uh, as we should have, but would have liked to have seen a couple more goals in that game. We went out to Seattle, out on the West Coast. Didn't play great, but played okay. I feel like it was a pretty poor game. Lost two to one, and today we are at the Mercedes Benz. So we are doing this podcast post the game this Wednesday against who? Who the hell were we playing? <laughs> Houston. Uh, Houston. Uh, yeah. And you didn't see like Houston? They have a problem that, that happened like Houston. We have a pro- well. Those jerseys were a definite problem yeah. <laughs> uh, from the sponsored by the Home Depot, and uh, we well was it five nothing? Yeah. Yeah. So that's. A little karma for all the stupid red cards that the MLS referees love to give out. So, Dave, what's uh, what's our story here at ATL on Fire for any new listeners? Well, as you know, uh, we know a lot about soccer. We know uh, a good bit about Atlanta United and uh, a fair amount about MLS, but we're going to talk about it all. Hell yeah, we're going to talk about it all. And we've got an awesome guest who came in hot with some excellent wine to uh, add to this podcast. Rich Stradman, and uh, Rich is a friend of the show and uh, of the Action Jacksons. We've known Rich Hello. for 20 plus years. Yeah, and, hey. Uh, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for making the journey on Marta. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, uh, he- hello, uh, interweb. This is a longtime listener, first time appearance. We're on the me. outer web, man. I outer should web. note that uh, Rich is uh, also a wine aficionado, so yeah. Yeah. we have a, uh, a Cabernet Sauvignon from uh, Paso Robles. So, uh, yeah. what do you think of the wine, Rich? I think it's uh, it's fantastic. It's a uh, it's actually it's um it's surprisingly it's for like a, a Paso Robles uh, cab. It's got a lot more body than you expect because. Um, yeah, no, normally that's a little bit cooler down there, so I expect more of a kind of like a northern, like upward north, maybe even a Washington cab kind of feel to it. But it's it's deep and rich and very velvety, so I'm I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I think that's true. Actually, you go up to Napa and you tend to get a little bit more yeah. complexity in the Cabernets, but yeah. it's nice, really nice. Yeah, I'm just happy I have good friends with good wine taste <laughs> come to the show, and I'm definitely enjoying it. So well, thanks for having me. Like I said, it was a it was a lovely ride on our. Public transit decision. Only a little bit of craziness. My side of town, making it over to the east side of town. Like it was a straight shot, 30 minutes on Marta. Beautiful. Loved it. 
All right, that's a shout out to Marta, a first. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's, I mean, it, it's packed with it, United fans. Right? Yeah, that's like, true. Everyone's going in there. It's an easy in and out to get to something like the game. Yeah. So if Rich was the only Club. one on the Marta carrying wine. Yes. I will say, like, that is, like, the right. one cool thing about Marta that is, like, you kind of feel like, all right, we're kind of in a proper city. Like, everybody's going to the game right. with their Atlanta United gear. It is actually a pretty cool thing every yeah. time you go to the, the, the station and everybody's lined up with the red stripes on. Pretty sweet. Right. And, and I, def, I was definitely the uh, the one kid's doing his own thing because I had my United gear on. But uh, like Dave said, a bottle of wine. Yeah. <laughs> that's 20 we, minutes before kickoff. That's how we roll here on <laughs> ATL on fire. Yes, sir. So I we ordered some uh, some some apparel. We got some hats and some shirts oh, yeah. for the podcast. So I put those uh, online. I'll I'll put them on Twitter maybe or whatever the Twitter. You're gonna tweet out the link for our apparel. I will. Well, yeah. I think you know. There's a few design changes I might want to make on the hat, but we've got a hat and a t-shirt. The t-shirt's pretty dope. Yeah. So I would encourage you to order the t-shirt out of the two until I fine tune the hat. Um, so Rich, uh, give us a little bit of background on your history with soccer. Uh, you and I have played together for probably 20 years, but yeah. you probably played since you've been walking. And uh, yeah. how did you become, no, no, did you become I, a fan I, of the team? You know, uh, being a kid my age, I like most of us probably was exposed to the um, the more traditional sports like football, baseball, basketball when I was young, and then had a uh, one of my best friends when I was living in Chicago, very young. Like his older brother was playing soccer. I went and watched one of his games when I was like nine, and I was like, "What? What's this sport? Yeah. Never seen this before." And like immediately just attracted to it. So pretty much dropped everything at that point and just started playing playing soccer like what about soccer is better than you know baseball basketball for you because uh, well, you're not huge or what well no more I mean, you more do the, look pretty the, the, the fact that you're 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 constantly in the game like it, while as soon as they blow the whistle until the fucking last whistle blows you're in the game and if you're yeah. not you're you're shit you should not be out there you're you should be constantly moving constantly watching constantly like positioning helping your other players it's non-stop. A few throw-ins here, like get some more slices at halftime. But other than that, it's a full game. Yeah. And I think that's probably what – and it's cool about it, Atlanta United fans. I mean, there's people around us. You can tell they're new to the game. Right. And, like, helping educate them on just what you're saying there, that there's so much that happens off the ball. Yeah. And yeah. that's what's great about our seats, too, is, yeah. is you are able to – see what's happening on the ball and also focus a little bit on what's happening on the peripheral Yeah, and, you know, be able to make a judgment on somebody being out of position. Yeah. No, no, no doubt. No doubt. And that's, that's always, it's also like, I related to like before we, we, we finally got our soccer team, right. Got the United team. Like our hockey team was the best ticket in town. Cause that's the thing you yeah. can equate most to that. Where mm. as far as just non-top action, just, you go out it's there, a great ticket and as somebody that you can appreciate the movement and everything that goes on behind who's actually has the ball in their hands, done. That's it. And then we lost them twice to Canada, and then finally got a, uh, a soccer team, which is my passionate sport. I mean, it was a uh, it was game on. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what Rich is talking about is the the decision making about the players, right? It's not plays that are necessarily called by the coaches and so there's a certain sense of freedom or control of the game that you have as a player which is really nice yeah yeah and i think soccer with the amount of space that you have particularly if you compare like angles i hate to admit this but if there's 
a similar type of sport as like basketball. But I think it's hard in basketball, and that's why I hate basketball, to appreciate the nuances of how positioning even off the ball matters because right. all I hear is squeaker, sneakers squeaking noise. Um, and, you know, with soccer, I think there is so much that happens with with the angles of everything that really make the fine-tuned difference you know, yeah. in every triangle out there. Yeah, no, no. Like, like you, you take basketball and, and you spread it out a lot more and, and you take away the whistles and the yeah. squeaks. Yeah, <laughs> and the scoring. You know, yeah, you, you put, instead of putting it in, in a ball that nobody. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite hoop, because no it's one so can compressed. touch. Have them try to get it by somebody that, you know, like a six-five dude that's sitting there, like trying to block it. Yeah. yeah, but there's a certain amount of in basketball. There's a certain amount of you know the the play resets every you know twenty seconds exactly. or whatever, and so you got a clock. Then you, get, you, you, then you have the same yeah. people in the sort of the same position, so it lends itself much more to running set plays. Sure. <clears throat> so, Rich, in terms of following Atlanta United, I know you were there for the inaugural season. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what do you, what is it that is attractive to the team in terms of you know following it and paying attention as a as a sports league? It's part of the MLS, which I'll say over and over again on the show. Like, this league has a lot of yeah. growing to do, but yeah, the fact sure. that we got a team and the fact that we actually care about it. Yeah, well, it, it's a uh... I mean, really worked out nicely for me. Like I was kind of alluded to with, uh, I was a huge Thrashers fan, and like I've never, like I've put on skates maybe four times, and definitely <laughs> never put on skates with an actually stick in my hand, other than trying to grab on something while I was falling down. But, uh, yeah, hometown team. Hope you like just like, like Falcons. I'm a Falcons season ticket holder. I have been for like the last 19 years now. Hawks, it's it's basketball, whatever. I'm I'm gonna cheer for them. Braves, I was a huge Braves fan growing up. I'm from Atlanta. I'm like, yeah. I say I'm from Atlanta. I've been here since I was ten, so I'm pretty much from Atlanta compared to a lot of the city these days. Mm-hmm. But supported all these teams growing up. Always have been. Um, except you know, Braves moved out of Atlanta, so I'm giving a little time to go. You need to back. get back on that yeah, bandwagon, yeah, yeah. which will be a part of my rant here Okay, in a we'll, talk, we'll talk about that Damn, later. Bra- Braves are too fun not to watch. Right, but um, I don't know. Anyhow, it, it's like, yeah, of course, when we get a soccer team, I'm a sports soccer team. I've support, like, we had a freaking cricket team, I'd support yeah. it. I'd, we'd, we'd, we'd find a way, we'd find a way and a right. reason to go out there and drink beers and hang out and watch cricket. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. For three days or however long the fucking cricket match <laughs> Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, so it was a natural fit. I mean, soccer's been my sport since I, I decided that was the sport I played and I love. It was never maybe the most like enjoyable sport to watch. Are you saying that cricket is your second favorite sport behind soccer? Yeah. When watching at a bar, <laughs> when watching the bar in the Caymans, it's my second oh, okay. favorite sport. Mm-hmm. Yes. In the, only in the Caymans. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that kind of leads me to my rant, I guess, yeah. which yep. I put behind the introduction. I feel, I feel like this is maybe is a better flow in the podcast to go into my rants post guests introduction. And I think that is a, is a good uh, lead in, which is, you know, really the fact that it's painful being an Atlanta sports fan. And there's this whole uh, concept of it's bad to be a bandwagon uh, sports fan. You know, mm-hmm. I'm actually starting to change my mind on that. Because there was a study done that says that basically sports fans are un- more unhappy um, by following their teams because their expectations are typically <laughs> way skewed for what reality <laughs> is in terms of what the odds are yeah. to deliver on what their expectations are. 
And so um, there's a few there's a few quotes here from this research study, and the study was done from. We're the, not afraid to bring in the uh, National Institute of Economic and Social Research. So Dave, you could appreciate this. Yep. That's right. As a scientist. Uh, Fans systematically overestimate the probability of their team winning and never <laughs> revising or learning from experience, the researchers say. What? That doesn't it's sound so odd. Yeah. It would appear from our results that football fans are irrational. <laughs> <laughs> the negative consequences of losing on happiness are around four times higher <laughs> than the positive consequences of winning. That's true. That, they, yeah. they say that's true in all of life, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Winning gives you like a boost of like one compared to any negative thing is like a negative yeah. by four. Right. So, so my, like, 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 like finance, right? Yeah. So my rain is less yeah, everything. Like you right. said, it, it's just like, yeah, you can be, you yeah. can kind of, you, you, you fucking throw the line. No one, no one really gives a shit. You're happy with like where you're going. And then you, you're terrible one year. Everyone jumps off. You win, you win one week. If you win one year compared to like losing three years, yeah. what are they going to talk about? So I guess this is less Loss. of a rant than it is more my Zen, which okay. is, I'm okay with being a bandwagoner, just kind of like you are with maybe you haven't watched the Braves as much because of whatever political reasons you have. But you know what? The Braves, because they've been playing great lately, have given me a little bit of happiness back in the equation of the pain that I'm feeling with Atlanta United not clicking on all cylinders. And you know what? If the Falcons start kicking ass, I'm going to jump on that bandwagon again because I turned my blinders after our ass whooping in the Super Bowl. Now, wait a second, though. So... So is it really jumping on the bandwagon if it's your team from your city that you support that you're just a little more into when they're winning, but you support them when they're losing? It's not like jumping on the bandwagon is like when the Braves are down, you're following the Yankees. Or if Atlanta oh, yeah. United loses, you're now no, suddenly a, a DC United or, or now you'd say you're a Philadelphia So I guess I am using that word in the wrong way. I am, a, I am only yeah. an Atlanta sports team okay. fan. But I will turn a blind eye to the Falcons like I have the last two years. And I'm just waiting for them to give me back the happiness they fucking owe me for that Well, actually, Super Bowl. <laughs> here's my, my, uh, my input on this, Dobbs. I've known you a long time and I, I love you dearly. But <laughs> you're a fan either when they're really bad or they're really good. You don't you can't hand the middle ground. Yeah, well, no, I think that's a fair point. Like yeah. right now with Atlanta United. I, I remember like year two of Vic... Actually, when we were, might have been somewhere, somewhere, and some drinks that happened or something. But yeah. I remember uh, Shake craving. <laughs> I'm glad you remember a number seven for Michael Vick on your chest while you're passed out because you were giving him such a hard time. <laughs> that may or may not have happened. Yeah, I know it may or may not have happened. <laughs> but I just remember like you, you really hated Michael Vick for the first year or two, and then well, and we did well, and you came back around. So, but it, it's your passion which makes yeah. you a great fan. Whether whether it's like negative or positive, I think it's your passion. Well, I, I was. It's funny you say that about Michael Vick. I was Facebook. There was like the twenty greatest moments of Michael Vick. Yeah. And, Were you number three? And no, he was so incredible. But the reason I didn't like him because I didn't take a genius to tell that he wasn't being the leader on the team that we needed as the quarterback. He was Falcons' PD Martinez. Yeah, he was Falcons' PD <laughs> Martinez. Maybe. <laughs> Wow. We'd like to see, see this is how it comes so, out. Yeah. So Actually, let's like, keep going with that. Why do you say so with Petey? So what's your view of Petey, Rich? I think Petey is a very, very skilled athlete. I think he has like better vision than almost anyone else on our team. Yeah, I agree. I think he, he's, uh, he kind of came into a situation that uh, when the coaching changed and, and the, the, the uh, philosophy of the team changed, it like just is not his style of play. It's taken him a lot longer than anticipated or to get into his flow. 
Yeah, and he basically admitted that on an interview yeah. in Argentinian radio. He's yeah. like, I didn't really understand Frank's philosophy. I kind of disagree with right. it. And he, they kind of put it out there yeah. with each other, which which is good that there's at least communication. There, it's right? better than... We're all married. We know that if you don't get it out there, it's going to fucking just burrow and, yeah. and, and become <laughs> yeah. like a long problem. Yeah. I have yeah. to say, in Petey's defense, though, I mean, so DeBoer came in saying that, you know, look... He was known as a defensive coach, but that he appreciated the style of Tata Atlanta United and he was going to attack. Yeah. And to be honest... Didn't happen. That's not true. Right. Right? I mean, that yeah. is clearly not true. Um, our goals for... Which well, didn't was PT get recruited the top of the before... whole MLS history, basically. You know, New York Red Bulls had the great run, too, but... Other than that, we've had two of the best seasons in the history of MLS goal scoring. Right. And suddenly we're 16th. Well, after today, it's probably a little better. But we were 16th in the league yep. in scoring. Right? That is crazy. Yeah. For losing. Like, I mean, we tried to find. You can't say he's a replacement player. But he right. was coming in to kind of like bridge the gap. It's more of like just. Well, and on top of that, people that say, oh, yeah, lose Al Marone. But I would say if you got to look big, more big picture, you say, all right. People say, oh, you know, and DeBoer says this too, right? It's a you know, new coach. There's a turnover. It's hard to make the top. But what's different and why I think some of the Atlanta United fans are more disappointed this year is on top of not losing that much, just Al Marone, he inherited a team that not only won the title, but the majority of players are moving into their prime. Yeah. You know, you, for example, a lot of teams win a one-off title when they are, all the guys are just at the end of their prime or whatever, and then the next coach has to rebuild. But that's not what he came into, with the exception maybe of Lorenowitz and Parkhurst. Yeah. Every single other player is either in their prime or moving into their prime. So I'm not buying that. Yeah, uh Absolutely, and I, and I think that um, it goes to uh, the, the type of coach he is. And it's easy to go in and coach a bunch of skillful players and just let them play their game and win. But I, I don't know if it's stubbornness or, like, you know, it's the, it was, it, you can't blame it all on him. That's his, we knew that was his style of coaching when we brought him yeah. in. Mm-hmm. So, but, I don't, yeah, I almost... The, the fact that he, he can't, like, try to tweak that and adapt, you know, like, he knew the kind of players he had when he got here. But he was just very bullheaded and stubborn. Of like, we're going to do this and this. We're going to play. This is my coaching with the players he had. You know, it, I think it created a lot of friction on, on, up front. Yeah. They're, they're kind of working through it a little bit. It's still uncomfortable. It's still nothing's great. But, you know, they're like, maybe it's breaking down the walls. Like we saw with like PD, yeah. he had his rant. He fucking went off. And DeBoer, he had his rant and went off. Maybe that was the first time they came together and like, all right, yeah. we're both yeah. unhappy with this. So what, how do we make it better? I actually would argue that DeBoer, I mean, I, I don't know him you know, personally, you know, I haven't been behind the scenes. but You said earlier he was a good looking guy. Well, <laughs> he is a handsome But I, what handsome I would argue man. is that he has, in my opinion, tried to play attacking football. Yeah. He has sent the outside players, the outside backs in his system, flying up the field from day one. We've had a ton of players up the field. In fact, yeah. you know, I'll talk about it maybe later, but Remedy and, and Nagby, I think, have been way too far up the field. And, and what I would argue is that DeBoer's, you know, basically his rationale for being a more attacking team is to have more people forward. But that is not offense. It doesn't work. Everybody's just getting in each other's way. 
And despite the fact that I would argue we have the same or maybe even more players forward than what Tata had, right? We're actually scoring fewer goals and creating way fewer chances. And to me, that's on the coach like, okay, you got to have a philosophy. It's not just about having players forward. Right. You got to have some kind of way of breaking down teams. Right. Yeah, but I, I will say, like, I feel like the quality, even like when we've had opportunities, like with Breckshay on the outside, or whoever's, or even Gressel this year, from when he's been on the outside, or whoever's on the outside, the quality of the crosses have just been, even Justin Miram, who's been playing great lately. Like some pretty bad, really bad but I delivery say, of the ball. I agree with you completely. But one thing that I believe very strongly in is there are two totally different classes of crosses, right? There's one class of cross which is in the rhythm of the play. Yeah. Right? Where And by rhythm of the play, what I mean is that any kind of cross where the players who are going to go try to score in the middle actually know that the cross is coming. So for example, if you have a guy, you play him into space, he's going down the side, he's looking across, everybody knows the cross is coming. You saw it a lot tonight. A different kind of cross is what Miram and Pereira and some of those guys are getting off. They're played out to a guy wide. He takes on the guy. He goes to the end line. He cuts it back. He cuts it back yeah. a second time. And then he crosses. That cross has very little chance of scoring because nobody has any t- understanding of when the cross is coming. So everybody ends up just standing around in the middle. And unless you're actually attacking the ball in the middle, you're not going to score that yeah. many goals. It worked once tonight because we we actually that happened. We had like five guys on at the at the penalty spot. Yeah, and like one guy got to shoot and score. Yeah, but you're you're right. Like yeah. unless you were actually moving like fluidly moving forward for that cross come in. Right, and so like, I would say so. How many times like Martinez like was like one step yeah. in front of the ball? But but in those fluid right moments, like you're saying, in the fluid ones, which yeah. I agree, there's two different, at, at least two different kinds. That in the fluid ones, our delivery has just been an been not Terrible. good, man. Terrible. Yeah, really there's bad. been some slight, you know, not so great delivery. But to, to me, that's that's going to happen. But the more crosses that you get that are within the flow of the attack, those are, you know, 30, 40% better kind of crosses. Yeah. The chances of scoring are yeah. way higher. Huge. And one thing that happened last year all the time is we had so many crosses that were in the rhythm. And the reason why those crosses were in the rhythm is because they came off of turnovers in their half. One of the things that this team is not doing whatsoever, and you would say DeBoer's defensive coach, but one of the things they're not doing whatsoever is winning the ball in the other team's half. So when we won the ball in the other team's half off of it's some pressure... It's because P.T. Martinez isn't giving any pressure. That's, that's why <laughs> well, we're not winning. But if you do well, that, you get one pass, everybody knows the cross is coming, and then you have one in rhythm. Okay, or, or, maybe, or maybe it's more movement because... I mean, granted, they were playing a man down, yes, but the man down that went down on the right side, but we had the, our right side open the whole half. So I think Gressel was like the most – like those, hey, there's Gressel again. We haven't seen him all year long. He, has, he had a ton of space. Yeah. And it wasn't it, – like, You know why he had a ton, ton of space, though? He was 10 because he was playing right back exactly. instead of – So first exactly. of all, he's been playing in the middle of the field. But even, even when he's playing out wide, when he is back – 
and moving into the space, yeah. he's way so better. So and one better. of the problems I have with DeBoer is every time we get the ball, those guys are so far forward so early, like you even saw it tonight. Pereira was so far forward so early that when he gets the ball, he's either standing or coming back to it. Right. And then he's got to churn, take the guy on. Yeah. Whereas the crosses that Gressel was getting last year and the ones he had tonight, was, like was moving down. into yeah. space. He doesn't have to take someone yeah. on. He just yeah. has to take a touch and whip yeah. it in. Well, Look at, like, pick it out and put it right. in. Yeah, before you got here, Dave, I was saying like the one, totally different the one thing I can definitely call Frank DeBoer out on is the way he's used Gressel this year. I think if you look at last year... Gressel as a soccer player was progressing so well. He was so confident. He was like hitting this stride of professionalism with his football that I was like, maybe like if if he got another year and a half under his belt, he could actually have gone to Europe. Which yeah. I don't think now after this setback this year with Frank trying to use him as a Swiss Army knife, mm-hmm. I think it was a detriment to Gressel's progression as a professional player and as the team being able to do what is done well which is exactly what you're saying which is Gressel t- feeding into that space he loves it like you can tell like as a soccer player he's energized by you know and I was one thing I like about Pogba Florentine Pogba he will play that ball forward to whoever's running so if, it's too bad Pogba is not on Gressel's side because he will press the ball forward for the flanker to go get it. Right. And Gressel is so good at going to get it and whipping, wh- whipping it in. Yeah. And, and we just are not seeing that this year, period. Um, and, I, and I feel like, yeah, it's a little bit of the conundrum Frank's in with having the right players to put out in the field. But I'll get to the fact that why aren't we playing some other players that are from the twos or whatever, as much as I don't like Carlton – as much as I've – whatever, like don't reward the guy if he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> what um, do you have against Carlton? What's is that? It, is it the Carlton dance? Passport. Yeah, no, and passport, all of the above. Like <laughs> there's probably good reason. But um, there, there are other players to maybe consider, and I like the fact I mean, that we're bringing – I was hoping it was the passport. How do you not like the Carlton dance? <laughs> Does he have a dance? The Carlton dance? I haven't seen the Carlton. I don't know. The Fresh Prince of Bel Air Carlton dance? Yeah. You know the Carlton dance. I don't, man. Do right. tell. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the Carlton answer. You're gonna our listeners may not know yeah, this. The either. podcast listeners can't see. Yeah, this. we'll describe this. Describe. You guys will see it. Don't go your one. Okay, Mikey Dodge. Have you, you either of guys ever seen the French Fresh Pitch of Bel Air? Oh hell yeah! You know Carlton? Yes. Yeah. You don't know the Carlton dance? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the Carlton dance. So Rizzy swaying back and forth with two thumbs going side to side, All almost right. like in a hula fashion. If if anyone's listening out there, if you know the Carlton dance, call in or do whatever you need to do. Yeah. Okay. Like I feel like I'm in, in outer space right now. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome to the, the Carlton dance. Welcome to the podcast. Oh my goodness! Ugh. I'm out. <laughs> I don't know where I was. I was just kind of on a rant there, but um, yeah, you're 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 ranting about. I was gonna, you know, There's right, another right. player. One of the things that's funny is that there's a lot of players who maybe not a lot, but a, a number of players who have huge amount of success. Out on the flanks, whipping in balls. And the guy who comes to mind is David Beckham. So David Beckham, when he was playing for Man United, that was what he did. He was out on the flank. They had a lot of players who were talented in the middle, so everybody had to collapse. He just hung out there. They played him into space, and he would just whip in balls. And he was so good at it that... He, they even scored own goals. It was like yeah, right in between yeah, the goalkeeper and the defender. And the, you only had a, 
The only chance was basically a goal, an own goal, or a miracle. Right, right. Just but Gressel's the same way as Becca. Yeah, as as Even though he had super amount of success, they all want to move into the middle. And my question is why? If you're so good out there and you're getting so much credit for it, and like Gressel was one of the leading assist guys in the league for the last two years, why does he, you know? Yeah, I yeah. agree. Like that's the one thing that DeBoer has done for me that is like, a huge mistake as a coach. He's put a player who was progressing as a professional on the outside with high confidence and sacrifice that. Yeah, yeah, just kind of like cut him off. Yeah, I just we're, we're sure that uh, um, I went into my Carlton dance and I, I interrupted you. So, awesome. who do you think you, you think there's a young player in our in our in our midst that could come mm. up? Because you were saying you wanted to have some young players get some more opportunities. You seem to play a, a few more younger players tonight, right? Yeah, well, a couple well, of the guys Vasquez, just signed. They're not yeah. coming from Atlanta United too, yeah. but they're younger. But, but I know, yeah, he did. some of those guys started instead of our normal regulars. Yeah, what, but what, is there anyone in United too that can fucking maybe hopefully play left back? I saw yeah. Demarcus no. Beasley still playing out there. Can we sign him? Well, I was, was going to make a Demarcus we would definitely Beasley take him, joke for sure. until I saw him. We played against him. Yeah. I mean, All the podcast listeners will know that we've been on this a lot of times. We won't go into it tonight about youth soccer and how everybody wants to be an attacking midfielder in the U.S. But the the fact that we now have tonight, you have both left backs injured. We got rid of our Garza, our old left back. Yeah. We got Bello yeah. and Shea both injured. Escobar was suspended for five yellow cards. And we don't have a single outside back to bring up. Yeah. How is that possible? And, but we signed a midfielder today. Yeah. <laughs> and we signed a midfielder <laughs> right? like two weeks ago. Like, it's, like, it's, oh, it's insane. God. Hey, trust me. I'm a Liverpool guy. We made so Milner this, left back. So the, guy, can I ask? the guy in the last 32 years since he's been playing soccer has made two qua- crosses with his left foot. Yeah, he's not. And, and we made him a left back. I know. So right. how much... How much Beasley. of this is on yeah. Carlos Bocanegra for not finding us a left back? Apparently, nobody can. Demarcus Beasley was the U.S. Men's National Team left back for yeah. like 15 years. Yeah. And he's still Houston's And he wasn't left even back. ever a left back. And he was, he was a midfielder. Yeah, he was a winger. He was a total attacking there's just, there's, midfielder. They don't, they don't make him anymore. He so didn't have a defensive instinct in his whole body, and they still made him a left back. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I mean, which is just so bizarre. It's like, how can there nobody play left back? We had, we actually like yeah I'm like I said Liverpool, Robinson awesome great left back. There's a few of them out there. When I, I, I was, think Garza was a great left back. Is Garza we didn't realize, still healthy? We didn't realize that he was how good he was. Oh, we yeah, realized, but uh, we didn't then, but we yeah. do now because there's there's only like six left backs in all of the fucking. I world. was coaching last summer, and there was a player who was really good at taking on players. And but strong on the ball, and I made that player was used to playing mostly forward into an outside back, and was actually he was really good at reading the game. He could see it, whatever, and he would get the ball. He could go forward into space. He could take on a player and cross it, and he was doing brilliantly. He was starting every game, and his parents wrote me an email to complain that he takes on players well. He needs to be a forward, and I'm like, you have no idea. Right? Like, if you would just leave him alone, he could actually go somewhere. Yeah. Right? Right? Yeah. I'm it's, with you. It's tough. All right. What do we got? Breck Shea blew out his knee. Oh, Probably a career ender, right? Yeah, I think his career's over. It, keep in mind that 
you know, as we've talked about in the podcast before, that Breck Sherry, in my opinion, was a very strong player at some point right before he went to Europe and was on the national team. He was a Gareth Bale type, really big, strong, fast, would really run at players. And then he tore his ACL. And I think he's never been the same since then. Yeah, absolutely yeah. not. And now doing it again, forget it. Yeah, yeah no, like when he first came up, he was supposed to be the next thing. Yeah. For USMNT yeah. and like yeah, and I'll be like, honest. When I saw it happen, I really scared. like I, I felt a little bit for yeah, the guy sure. because yeah. it, it did. By the way, he went down, and the guy's been nothing but positive energy from yeah, his perspective for the club. Even though Rich and a bunch of other people have been negative towards him, a lot of like, people. I, I, <laughs> well, uh, it wasn't just me. And, no, it wasn't a couple just other you. People. I'm I just, have to like, cop to that. I yeah. Think, yeah, like, well, and and me, and I, I, me too. I, I, I'm just saying. Yeah, obviously, like, no one is was ill will on anybody. Exactly. Like I didn't, I didn't see yeah. the injury, and I didn't like I, I was driving back, so and I wasn't reading or texting or anything, and like I, I like caught up, and it's all like oh, yeah. he had to leave with an injury, so it seemed like. Yeah, and, and my point like was is like look, it's there was much terrible. to be desired from Breckshay in terms of he was at least making the tiniest bit of incremental progress as much as you want to say the way he was playing eking it out and I, your faces are awesome well <laughs> and uh, this and this might be from the fact that we have no other players back yeah, there. Yeah, there's definitely a, you know, they always talk about wins above replacement. Yeah. And, you know, for a team, what are the wins above replacement for Breck Shea? And that's an argument. But I just, um, but I just wanted to say though, that like, I just, oh, I felt for the guy. Yeah. When he went down, I was like, as, as soccer players, knowing that that might be his last moment on the field. Right. I just. And he's only 20. It's not, not going to be his last moment on the field. I it, think it is. I think it, I think, I think maybe, on a professional. He, he's got a year yeah. and a half. Oh, Dave, yeah. Dave, I'm sitting next to you with a, a, a fucking. <laughs> oh, yeah. You have half a knee on. Yes, yeah, so Dave. Gonna be back Dave talks right. about your Why surgery. Why you gotta go give that so, away? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you just had your leg like cut open, right. and uh, I'm, a, I'm across from a guy that I saw your leg in half, and yeah. you, and I play with you. So like it's not. It's never over. It's never yeah. over. So. I feel very bad for him, and yeah. yes, this 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 level of play might be over. Since it's a podcast and nobody can see, I'm going with my leg is perfectly fine. Okay, yeah. looks great to me. Right. <laughs> Since no one can see, I'm perfectly sober. <laughs> so anyway, hopefully Breck can find a great surgeon and he can have at least uh, another run at the game because nobody wants to. Uh, not go off on a high note as a soccer and so, player. And, and, and sorry, and, and, and Mike, just so you know, I wasn't, because um, you, yeah, I, I've been opinionated about Breckshay before this, yeah. but when I was looking at you and laughing, is because when you were saying, like, you and your Breckshay, all I was doing is picturing Breckshay's hair on your head, <laughs> on you on a surfboard. Yeah. That's, what a, that's the part of his game. And Keanu really Reeves. Want. I think getting... you really want his hair while you're surfing. <laughs> Could be no. I, I, Can we make that happen and put it on the on, on? I on pray the, every day that Breck Shay uh, website thing. We can we can transplant Breck Shay's hair onto Mike and put a, make a picture on him on surfboard, right? Sure. If Breck Shay yeah and Carlton would cut their hair, they would have had much better fortune. <laughs> that is, and I've been that is one thing that those guys like Karma was coming. Hey, Carlton, are you listening? Cut your fucking hair. And you won't get injured or sold. Okay. That's it. That's apparently the secret. 
What we have a lot of injuries though, right? We got yeah. Barco's injured, Pog was injured, Tito, Bello, Mikey Ambrose. Who else am I missing? I think you got a lot of them. Kratz. Kratz is Kratz even on the team anymore? Kratz I, mean, I don't is know. Done. I don't think you'll ever play again for Atlanta United. Yeah, he re-injured. It took him six months to come back, and he re-injured it. Uh, Tito, uh, nobody really knows the knees. They've stayed still pretty silent. In yeah, not so good. Bellows almost back. So he and uh, same thing with Barco. Those guys yeah. are Bello and Barco seem like they're two weeks out. Yeah. Well, they said actually. I mean, we'll I thought see. Barco was going to play tonight, but Barco they say is in contention for playing on the weekend. Yeah. DC. Well, they said they thought he'd be back for the Houston game tonight. Yeah. Which they probably just were being extra cautious. Yeah. So that's good. We don't. So wanna... that'll help a lot. Um, and God bless us, you know, Bello. They have a actual left back who's left footed. Um, Can we talk about MLS refereeing for a second? Okay. I, don't, I really don't want to. Do you want to? I don't. Want I to. definitely do because. <laughs> I mean, I was going to avoid it, but if you yeah. want to, I guess we it's can. bloody atrocious. The, <laughs> be smart the right, last let me, game. Let me, let me let me fill up my glass, Dave. You're going to get the last of good stuff. I'm just Escobar okay. going up for a perfectly clean header. His arm is down, literally as far down as you can put it. Yep. Goes up to head a soccer ball straight forward. That's coming at him. A defender comes from the side. From an awkward position, yep. and if anything is almost going to bump heads with Escobar coming straight onto the bar ball, no elbow, no anything, and Escobar, if anything, got first to the ball, yep, and got a yellow card, which cost us him playing in this game tonight. I, I don't. Have I a have no clue what is going on in the re- and they brought it to VAR too. Yeah, well, they brought it to VAR. Which is the biggest shitball of it for me, <laughs> which means that MLS refereeing has got their head up their ass. And as Frank DeBoer said, it's a bloody disgrace. That call was made. You said bloody? Bloody. Bloody. And hold on. And I'll go back. I'm just yeah, going to keep going bloody. here. Escobar's running. It's and then there was the Chicago Fire game where we lost 5-1, to one, and we already losing 2-0. Uh LGP goes to slide to block a cross in a natural position, which when you slide, by the way, your hand drags behind you. The guy crossed the ball, hit his hand, and not uh, only did yeah. they give a penalty kick, they gave him a red card. I don't understand this game Well, so, so, so let's start with your first point. So if you're going to have VAR and you're going to have replay, why MLS can't go back and look at the Escobar and thing and say, okay, he got the yellow card, but we're going to rescind it and he doesn't get the fifth yellow card yet to get suspended? I have no idea. Because anybody who ever looked at that play would have said, look, that's not a yellow card. I actually happen to disagree with you when it comes to okay. Escobar, uh, it comes to uh, LGP. LGP. Now, with one exception. So I thought that LGP has to be a, a, a handball. I think that's a legitimate handball because you cannot have defenders sliding in the box. And Rich, you're a defender. You can come in on this too, right? The moment you have defenders sliding to block it, right, and just because it totally kills 
you know, offensive soccer, because if you lay down in front of someone, you form sort of a wall. And so there has to be a penalty if you try like the that. Like the flop? Yeah. Well, if you try... Awesome. That was amazing, that game where you did if that. If you yeah. slide and you do that, you have to be penalized with, with a penalty kick. Now, that being said... I have no I idea what you're talking about, by the way. You're, we're talking about LGP to slide. Yeah, right? it's, he but tried what, to slide and block a cross. But he wasn't trying to slide for the ball. He's trying to slide in front of it and completely set up a body to block it, and that's different. When you do that, like in hockey, you're talking about hockey. Yeah. You know how guys slide in front of the, the whole thing? If you do allow that to happen in soccer, then it changes the defending whole thing. You can have all these cynical people basically sliding in front of it. It's terrible. But what I would say is that I do not understand. Once you call a penalty kick, there is absolutely no reason to send a guy off. It's double jeopardy. Right? The whole point of the rule of the penalty box is that you can have an option where you can give a guy a goal if there's a goal-scoring thing denied. And you don't need to add on to that by sending him off and giving them a man advantage for X Because he, he went straight red on that, right? Yeah, it's yeah. silly. Yeah. So I would have said penalty kick, yes, no red card. I, I didn't see it. So did he give him the red after the uh, VAR? Yeah, they, they called a penalty kick, and then they looked at the VAR, yeah. and he gave him a red. So So... So here, here's a here's a he thing. Could have given a yellow. Here's the thing: is it uh, VAR or is it AIR? I mean, if we're not if we're taking out the uh, uh, like emotional and like the person like being able to associate like just evaluate the situation and make a, a call based on how it should be in in the context of the game and just sticking to what the rule states and that's what they're going with. They're automated, right? So that's AIR, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so yeah, these guys should know that there there should be no reason for that to. Be a red card, like yeah, sure. Yeah. Might be a little bit unnatural, I, might yeah, but by rule we have to give it a fucking red they card. They are jacking That's so automated. much stuff up. So, They're making so like, many we gotta, mistakes. We got to raise up and fight against the machine, guys. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the handball? You were going to ask me about. Well, that. I'm going to just go straight to Cat's Corner, yeah. which is a segment. Which, what is a handball? In your definition, Dave Katz, as you understand it by the rule, and how does it change based on? Where are players in the field, and should it? Well, Does it matter if, if yeah. this scenario is inside the 18 where it could be a penalty kick? Does it matter if it's anywhere else on the field? So I think that you know the discussion has to start with things that are in the box, particularly crosses. So for a long time, right? You know, it was in the early days there was a handball was called. When a guy was out wide, he was crossing it, and he whipped the ball in, and it just happened to hit the guy's arm, right? And it was in the box. They would call a penalty kick, right? Which is a ridiculous kind of thing because it's ball to hand. The player can't get their hand out of the way in time. And you can imagine, and what was starting to happen, is really skilled players were taking advantage of this. They were just like, I can whip the ball right into his hand, right? And they were getting penalty kicks. They had no intention of even crossing the ball. They were just trying to kick it into his hand for for a PK, right? So then what happened was it evolved to this ridiculous state where defenders are trying to defend crosses. And this is still true today. People put their hands behind their back in this crazy, unnatural position. You see guys out wide defending with two hands behind their back like they have handcuffs on, which is ridiculous. So and then someone goes by him and they try to put the like rule a was, shoulder to him. You know, it's the terrible. rule was supposed to be 
ball to hand or hand to ball, meaning if the ball is whipped into your hand and you literally couldn't move it out of the way, it's two feet away, then that's not a handball in the box because there's nothing you could do as long as it's in a natural position, right? If it was hand to ball, i.e. you put your arm out to block it on purpose, then of course it's a handball. It's very subjective. And the subjective part about it became what was a natural position. So, for example, if you were trying to defend the cross and you did a star jump and put both arms out and then they whipped it into it, then obviously you don't want defenders doing that. That's ridiculous, right? Because then that's... And so what they... The definition was a natural position. But now you have referees trying to figure out what's a natural position of the hand in a natural motion. And so, for example, on LGP's play, where he's sliding down, you argued that it was in a natural position, and I agree. It, he didn't put his hand out to block the ball on purpose. I think, in my opinion, I'm really against giving penalty kicks because I was a defender a lot. But in that case, I actually think it should have been a penalty kick because he slid down on the ground to block the whole cross. That is different than defending in a position having ball to hand. You have to have a rule where you can't allow people like in hockey to go down and block the cross. I think he was truly sliding to get his legs in front of the cross. And when he did the, the, the back pass and it happened to... Barely nick his arm, honestly, on the cross, which almost didn't affect anything, really. I didn't see the plays to argue the penalty kick, but with the red card. Yeah, I think the double jeopardy on the red card is even more ridiculous. And I think that this is true in general. Like if the it, idea if, that if, a, if a hand blocks a ball coming across, if it's not like right here, yeah. definitely penalty. I think, but a red card is an no. obvious advance to the rules would be. Any penalty kick that's called is not also a red card unless it's for a violent offense. So you either give them a penalty kick, so you give them a goal-scoring opportunity, or you send the guy off because there is no penalty kick or whatever, but not both. Yeah, it's double jeopardy. That kind of actually like a point that we've talked about at uh, at the bar before about some people not calling fouls in the box that they want to give it a penalty. You know, being able to call a foul in the box that's not a penalty kick, but moving outside the box. I agree with this. So this, this, this idea that, so we have this idea in the penalty area. I think, in my opinion, the penalty area was created because that's where you could take away goal-scoring opportunities and the ref had some discretion to give you a penalty kick, which was giving them a goal back. But as you have ranted about in the past, in MLS, they're totally to the letter of the law. And it's become that a foul inside the penalty area is a penalty kick and one outside is not. I don't understand why you couldn't give the referee the discretion to say within the penalty area you can call a penalty kick, but it doesn't have to be a penalty kick. You can call an indirect or even a direct free kick inside the penalty area without a penalty kick. Right. Right? There should be an intermediate because right now you have these situations like with LGP where it's a handball. It either has to be a penalty kick or nothing, yeah. right? Why not say, ah, that's a really gray area. We'll give you a really dangerous free kick from that spot, but it's not a penalty kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not have that? Yeah. And that would give the referee an in-between. It's already subjective on all these calls, but it would give the referee an in-between to say, right. I don't only have two extreme things. Either there's no call or there's a penalty kick. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a foul. We all know it's a foul, but right. should should I give you a goal? Maybe yeah. not. You know. All right. Um, what are you talking about? I still am confused about what, and it's very complicated. I don't think the solution is easy on what's a handball and what's not. Ball to hand or hand to ball. ball. Yeah, because even like your a hand to ball is when you're talking about sixty frames per second with hmm. a var going to that and so AIR and yeah, 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 what the <laughs> <laughs> the. Uh, like the the moment it comes off, you know, again, it would be like offsides. It's like the moment it came off his foot or whatever point. Yeah. Did his hand change positions in a meaningful manner to try to intersect the ball? Like that's what you're getting into at that point. It just seems yeah even sillier than any of the other stuff that's going on. They can't even get offsides correct. Chris. Well, yeah. There's and by the way, of, like there's a lot of silly stuff going on with our MLS officiating yeah. crew. Can I also so. say something? This is something in the women's World Cup and in soccer in general. I feel like we need to change the offsides rule because. Correct me if I'm wrong. And this is I, I feel like I've learned something from the women's World Cup from this, which is. If any part of the body of the offense is beyond the de- the last defender, then and when the ball is coming off the foot, right, that the, then they're offside. So that would mean if my ninety five percent of my body is almost behind you, Rich, or onsides, and my hand, like a horse reaching his tongue out, somehow was crossing like your body line, which was like a post. Yeah, and the ball is being played. And I'm basically like two feet on sides, other than my hand. I mean, we brought the. I mean, there's, how is I, that? How is it, that a well, good it's, rule? We brought it on ourselves, man. It's a photo finish. It's like yeah. we, we wanted to see what actually happened. So, so it's like we we rely on them to make the call by the eye, and then we're all going to see the replays. And we're and now we put technology into it yeah. that we know if any part of that body or anything was offside, it's offsides. So, yeah, so, uh, so it sucks for the game. I agree. It's not natural, but. But wasn't this what we demand? Wasn't the spirit of the idea right now is to change? Is that even is on? Is that still the concept? But but what's what's even? even? What's what's even? That all your exact bodies are aligned? Correct, right? So this is this. He he wasn't even. He was slightly off. This is where I think technology can change it. But I won't go into my rant. But that I I feel like they've got it wrong because they they wanted to put the the concept of even is on early on, which has been a rule for what? How many years now? Long time, seven, like probably fifteen plus years, right? I'm just making sure. Long, lot longer than seven. But no, like when we when we were growing up, it was it was different, right? The rule with offsides was different. Like when we were growing up as kids, like when like we were growing up, like we had like like parents officiating who was going to no, call but like, I mean, anywhere it, close to I'm that. saying like what, <laughs> what the letter of the law it was. It's very obvious a flag goes up that somebody handed even, like, even did, you, did, did you get done handing out the oranges? Can you you mind uh, <laughs> yes. like throwing the flag? <laughs> but the concept of even yeah. being on sides is relatively new in the last 20 years. Right? Yeah, absolutely. But so it, why not if, if the, the whole spirit of that was to make it a more offensive game like every sport is trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, let's make it even is is on. Uh, why not make it? There's some like if there's any gap in between, 
or if there's no gap in between, then you're on side. So how much? Uh, how so much reverse of, how much it. Percentage of a person would you want to have connected mm-hmm. to the other person? So you could even you could even say like you want you want them if, to be completely past the person. Whatever, I mean, whatever it that's is, not, like it would be. What, more, what do you consider even? Where's your even line? But but that, exactly, that's correct. You're asking the right question. Is this even? Are my fingers even right, right now? You're asking the right question. Is this and even or is this even? That's my point. How about is this one? This one? Technology <laughs> can figure this out. But I think you're talking about an, an interesting idea that if there's daylight, there's daylight. Thank you. Right. That would be a better positive like if you want to make the game more offensive if there's daylight then he's off if there's no eyes. daylight are you saying daylight a person he's a whole person ahead any no, part you just have to be able to see basically between the the bodies the torso if there's space yeah i mean but that's that and, and that, i don't even fine and, if there's it doesn't and, matter if my if my fingers in between our fingers you can you there's it breaks the daylight and I personally don't like that are idea you, as much as like a full, full daylight, a line of your body line and daylight between the bodies. I actually don't like that as much as the concept with of bringing in breaks. technology with like a microchip to be on every player's shorts, which is the core of your 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 <laughs> right. waistline, which is your hips, which is the center of your body, which is the true center of every player in the field. And if it's just like tennis, if it's one way or the other on the daylight concept, that the technology just calls it fact or fiction on whether he's on on or off. So I totally I think agree. that's a better way to. do I totally it. agree with you, but that's that's that, that's exactly. I mean, that's what you were talking about daylight versus like being able yeah. to like register it, right? Mm-hmm. If it's hips, based on like where the hips are hips a better is, equilibrium. That's a mode. great. That's a great thing. Yeah, hips because yeah. you can have your body forward. Yes. You can have. Have like yeah. I was just demonstrating. But measuring a, a that, even on video, would be yeah, really you're hard. You're not you're not based on your foot, your toe, like something like that being offside. But where you, the center of your body is, yeah. you can't look. And at the that. center of your body is your hips. You can't see that. You're, and yeah, you can right. do that now. Before in the rules, it made no sense to define that because you're right. doing it live yeah. and whatever. But with VAR, you actually maybe it makes sense to define a part of the body. That's yeah. the definition. Yeah. Yeah. It's called the yeah. center. Yeah. The, 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 it's like called the, the center hips. of your hips. I, I I totally agree with that. Like visually, you can't see. Like I'm saying, like because yeah, yeah light, again, again yeah, the hand. Like, that's what I said. When the, you're a this, foot, this behind. breaks the light. Yeah, and that's like right. the, the, the the your back and your ankle breaks. Our the listeners light. get it. You're with yeah. me. We need some technology. The hips. The hips need to be the the hips ju- don't lie. The judgment Dobbs. This this <laughs> this has been around for a while. The hips don't lie. The hips. The hips. All right. Hey, I think we should go into our trivia section. We're can about, I talk? Yeah, before you can talk. about the what I think is fundamentally. You know, we we've talked a lot about different aspects. We haven't really touched upon how bad a stretch it's been. Mm. Right? I mean, Chicago, Seattle, and just our away record in general, yeah. giving up the late goal for the 3-3 draw. Um, well, it's because I've been here, Dave. I, I Positive ma- attitude? Yes. Yeah. I'm, right. I'm what do you think, over problems with wine. I, I just, I don't necessarily want to go through all of that, but, but there was a moment in the Seattle game that I wanted to point out. It was, if anybody wants to go back and look at it, it was... At 30 minutes and 30 seconds, um, there was a ball on the right side. It was like a throw-in. Atlanta United had it a little bit, and then and then basically Seattle got it in the back, and the guy played it all the way back to the goal. Atlanta team. had a super high press. We were in their 18. Well, so well after we they played it back to their goalkeeper, Atlanta United got three players forward, and it looked like 
it was pretty well pressed. It was Gressel and it was... Yeah, we were, three players are on the edge of their 18 we were, we were, we were, we were, we were half-pressed. We were high-line we high It's as pressed as you can get. It's as pressed. It was in a great position to press. Mm-hmm. So the goalkeeper played it to the center back. The center back played it back to the goalkeeper. Then the goalkeeper played it out wide to the right. And it was Martinez's job to go press. And I know Mikey Dobbs feels that he didn't yeah. actually put in a huge amount of effort to because, press. Because well, the whole point of where you're about to get to yeah. is the, the, the team was too stretched because three of our offensive players were at the edge or inside the 18. And the defense, whoever's in the defense, didn't pr- – Press up the field well, the, the, with the, the offense. The problem was that whoever was like the, no one pressed in the middle of, of the pitch right there. Yeah. Yeah. So it looked like they almost thought the referee was someone who was marking the guy that eventually got the ball and started to play. Right? But, we but had five guys sit back. Well, so here. let me let me just. Well, I just want to say high. before you get to it, there are three players who are communicating to the rest of the team at that yeah. point, and it's the three offensive players, which were yeah. P.D. Martinez. Gressel. Mart- Gressel and Joseph Martinez. Correct. Gressel pressured the keeper in the center. Correct. Mart- uh, PT was out on the right. Correct. Covering his guy. And, and Joseph, Joseph kind of slowly halfway pressed his guy, which it was a rare moment of him not fully pressing. But I've listen, these are... This our memories aren't that good. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Your <laughs> podcast listeners, yes. I, I was showing yeah. it to them before, which is why they can remember exactly where everybody yeah. was. Yes. But my point was... With all of the shenanigans that happened, Seattle played it back to the goalkeeper. They played it to the center back. They played it back to the goalkeeper. We should have been at our most organized. There was plenty of time for everybody to get organized. Agreed. Someone should have pushed up on yeah. the guy that got the ball. They, so, they, had, they had 50 yards of space in the middle of the field yeah. past that front line. So when they played out to the right back, Joseph Martinez goes to put a little pressure on. And it looked like it was one of those moments where we were going to potentially win it in their half. And the guy played a 30-yard ball, and there was not one, not two, but three players open in the center of the midfield. Mm -hmm. And what happened was they got to then run at our defenders. They played a ball through to the left, and this might might remind some of the, the, the listeners of what the play actually was, because Miles Robinson made this... Asked, you know, phenomenal recovery run over 40 yards and just got a slide tackle in before the guy was about to put it in the goal, right? But my point was, what we cannot win the ball in their half. That is absolutely something that has disappeared in our game. And people say Al Marone is missing. But my point to you is, Al Marone might have been putting a little more pressure than Joseph Martinez. It wouldn't have mattered because there's yes, three it guys open. Yes, it would have mattered. He, he, I disagree. Yeah, I made one pass. He beat our entire front line. There in any case, huge on, that, gap between on that play, one of the things that I pointed out was that Remedy was way up the field. And in fact, what's happened, so him and Nagby have been the two center midfielders. But what's weird is that Remedy, for the most part, has been in front of Nagby. He's been operating around the opponent's 18-yard box, where he doesn't make great passes, and he doesn't shoot the ball well, right? He had a great shot that was supposed to go in there. Occasionally, but for the number of times he has shown up there and could have had great shots, he hasn't scored, and he hasn't done great things with it. So I do not understand, A, why he's in that position, and B, even if he is, 
why nobody is protecting the back four. Why don't we have a defensive midfielder? One of the things that Tata did is he said, we're going to play all this offensive. We're going to have Almiro. We're going to have pressure, whatever. And the reason why it's going to work is because Remedy is going to sit at home. Originally, it was Carmona the first year. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. But then... For a while, it was Lorenowitz before we actually got Remedy a little bit through the year. But as soon as we got Remedy, it changed our fortunes because he was great. And if you look at him this year, he has been completely mediocre because he is asked to do this thing Out where this total football where he's going forward yes. and he's playing in front of Nagmi and making runs. And that means, A, it's not what he does well. And, B, he's not in front of the back four getting on the most dangerous option and taking it away. As soon as you have that, now your pressure works because there's no easy ball to to relieve the pressure with a 30-yard out ball, right? And so what I don't understand, in that play, you had 45 seconds or something for everybody to get organized, and there was still nobody marking any one of the three players in the center yeah. midfield. I think I think we're agreeing, actually. Yeah, I think we're saying the same thing. Absolutely. Um, my my point was is like the the back line wasn't reading what the three players up front who were working hard. I'm giving Joseph a little crap for not working maybe a little harder than he could. They didn't mark their men up which you're saying were wide open, which they clearly were, and they didn't close the slinky down. The right. slinky was wide open. And why not compress that and mark your men up? And I agree, but that's the back line. Yeah. That's yeah. everybody from the back line. Well, whoever, everyone being on the same page. Yeah, everybody on the same page from that, Miles to LGP to that, whoever that's like, squeezing uh, it up. At the beginning the of the year, thing. he actually had the back line really pressed up. And they were fighting for balls, and a couple times to just beat yeah. us behind. And he's gotten a little bit gun shy, and so now those guys are back, which okay is not so great. I think I agree with you guys that they should be up and pressing. But regardless, if you regardless if it's them up and pressing or if it's a defensive midfielder covering for them, somebody has got to be on that player. If you don't have someone on that outlet pass, you are never going to win the ball in their half. It's weird that, like you said, he got gun shy when we started off that way. How many games before we gave a goal? Well, the early games we were terrible, and then we went through this great run where we didn't give up a goal for like five games in a row. But the crazy thing was, for that period of time, I think he went back and watched the video and was like, "Oh my God, panic!" Like we're, you know, the Champions League went terribly. We we lost at DC United. We lost. We tied at home to Cincinnati. We tied to Philadelphia. It was it was not going well. And what he said was, "Oh, let's reset the thing. What was working well?" He put Remedy back at defensive midfield, and we yeah. won five games in a row. Now it also corresponded with five weaker teams, and so people are talking about that. But in my opinion, it's the defensive midfield who actually springs the whole thing because yeah. now we have somebody on that and. I would even argue in the 3-3 draw, the thing that changed the whole momentum was when he brought Lorenowitz in and people said, oh my God, our offense you know, perked up. Now granted, we had just given up a goal and we were down and so we were attacking, so that changes things too. But Lorenowitz was suddenly, he doesn't have at his age the mobility to get forward as much. And so he was sitting as a holding midfielder. And suddenly our attack was blossoming because we were winning the ball. Yep. Right? 
So I think it's the same thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's uh, putting putting your those players in the spot, and it, it it takes a while. And like it is, I don't know if it's on DeBoer or like our ownership or whatever. But there's it, our players that came in, but it, it's I'm, I'm I'm happy with our team. I think it's just going to take a bit for like yeah. everyone to be happy with. Yeah, each I other. think the problem is like we haven't had we've had some injuries like. Barco being missed. There's so many things that aren't formulated that any team who can make a championship run has to have health and everything. So maybe it's just good fortune that we're going through a little bit of slump right now. If we get Barco, Tito back healthy, uh, you know, Bello comes back. Like we could the back half. Look, we're in like fourth place right. in our conference. Mike, Mike, like there could be a lot that goes right. I'm going to be an optimist. All those Mike. things will help, but to me. One of the things, the the number of chances that we're creating is so much lower than it was that those players will help to create, you know, goals in a limited number of chances. But unless we fundamentally change something about the system, we're never going to get back to that. And obviously we need a left back. So fundamentally about the system, PT, Frank, disagree with the system. That was one of the things that... PT agrees. He's like, he's the coach. I got to adapt to his system. But clearly, PT disagrees with the type of system that Frank. That's one thing I gleaned from. But PT also wants. Like, that's one thing I will constantly say. I know I've been hard on PT lately, but it, it's clear from his body, like his, from things he says, that he wants to do well. I think he wants to be in Atlanta. Yeah. I think he wants to win. Like that's definitely his mo, which is great. I think he's struggling with coming from an Argentinian team where the style and the philosophy is definitely way different than Frank DeBoer. That's not a shock. I mean, right? especially someone like Frank who's like a systematic person versus like a 80% Argentinian team. Like the culture is very different. And yeah. Yeah. As long as he doesn't sound like a dick pic to like Yeah. It's a, it's right. So, so well, it's, that he's like, he's on pace. <laughs> correct. Right. And, uh, <laughs> I want to say one more thing about the, the, the Remedy situation. So the other thing about when Remedy is pushed up the field, not only is he not protecting the back four, but I started counting a number of times when the guy who was marking Remedy came off of his guy to either win the ball or pressure Petey Martinez, and it was a lot. Because Remedy is so far up the field and not really making runs and creating things, he's just bringing another defender into Petey's space. And one of the reasons why Petey is failing is because Petey doesn't have that space. Remedy's running right into it. If he would get out of there and go play defensive midfield, Petey would have more space to operate. And Nogby, who is a terrific box-to-box kind of guy, could now give the ball to Petey in space and everything would be better. But what I was going to say on my rant is that Petey, after the Frank DeBoer, like, they clearly aired it out. And Petey's like, I don't get your system. And Frank's like, I need you to work harder. I need 11 players in the field. And that was before the U.S. Open game against St. Louis, a UCL team. So that was when all the press came out. Like, what are we going to do with PD? It was like he's clearly he and Frank didn't see eye to eye, but at least they aired it out. They had it, had the discussion. PD got the memo, as I said, on, in the St. Louis game. You could tell he was doing everything that I wanted him to do. 
that he was not doing everything I've been bitching about in my last couple of podcasts of him closing the ball. And you know what happened is we pressed, we won the ball. And the, the thing is, is that is a, it's a B plus team in the UCL that we're playing against, but it worked. And PT wasn't being lazy and we won the ball back and he got it. And we, he actually scored that game. And it's like, that's not a coincidence, dude. That is you working hard off the ball in moments where it matters. And he wasn't doing that before and until that St. Louis game. So I feel like he got he listened to Frank. And that's a positive thing that he actually wasn't being stubborn. He heard Frank's like, all right, I hear that you don't agree with my system. And PT's like, okay, I hear that you want me to work a little harder off the ball. He was doing that in the St. Louis game. I took that as a really positive yeah. sign. And so – and, and in the next game against the Red Bulls, I think it was like uh, Seattle. He was really good in Seattle. Seattle he was really good in Seattle. Like he he's doing. He was having trouble following through the entire game, but he was definitely focused on it. And I I, totally I, I think that that was a real positive sign. The last three games that Frank and PT again aired it out, and PT at least listened to him, and hopefully Frank listened to some of what it, PT is saying because he's clearly a player that has a lot of. Um, knowledge for how he can be utilized yeah. in a way that you know can cut through the lines. And I may get cursed for this for for talking about it and like having us backfire on us, but the US Open Cup is there to be taken. So not only are we in the semifinals, yeah, but man. so we drew Orlando away, right? We've never lost to Orlando. Right, and, we got and I'm not saying Portland, gonna, who beat the hottest team in the league. We, so New York FC lost to Orlando. LAFC, which is clearly the best team in the MLS right now, lost to Portland, mm-hmm. so they're gone. So it's Portland versus Minnesota on the other side. It's us versus Orlando, and if we can just manage to beat Orlando on the road, we will host the U.S. Open Cup final. So that's DeBoer's savior. Because yeah. if he wins that, not only is it a trophy, but it is a ticket to next year's Champions League. Yeah. Right? And that is a positive thing. Thanks even if the playoffs it, don't Thanks go Thanks for well. blowing it, Dave. Even after I gave you the shoosh. Because there's some trivia involved in that one. <laughs> but you didn't take my signal. That's all right, Rich. You probably weren't paying attention. Yeah, I was you're not opening, paying attention. You're opening another wine. What do yeah. we got there? Yeah, we're opening another bottle of Thank wine. you for bringing that. Yeah. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to... We're gonna go Italian style. We're gonna. We're gonna. Oh. We're to right. Rich is an Italian wine aficionado. Yeah. No. So, I, you know, in terms, I think you you brought up the last segment that I had in the agenda, which is uh, the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. So, that's that's a big deal. That if we win that, we get some hardware. There's two games in front of us. It's been fun that we are still in that. Yep. It, it adds a little extra stress to the schedule because. People still have to recover from those games to go into the MLS games, and that's something our fans, I think, have to understand is an added element. But there's a bigger reward on the other end of that, which uh, is a trivia question, which I'll get to, Rich. It's time for trivia. So it's time for trivia. All right, let's do trivia. I think I need a refill before we go into trivia. So, dear podcast listeners, we have now, of course, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, we have uh, paraphernalia. We have hats and shirts for sale from the ATL on fire. And empty wine bottles. We're selling empty wine bottles. (laughs) We've given Rich a hat, but we've upped the ante by saying that the trivia 
Instead of us giving him something, we've already given him something as a hat for being on the podcast. You're giving your, your love and your friendship. But yeah. if I don't need anything else. If you don't get enough trivia questions back, perhaps Mikey Dobbs, we should take the hat back. What do you oh, think? Ooh, wow, that's <laughs> cold blooded. I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to say that. Uh, okay. If let's, let's do it. Whatever. If you get seven, one out of how many? If you get seven <laughs> out of ten, yeah. That will buy you a very nice bottle of wine. All right. You're on ATL on fire. How about a crib? Can, can I get a crib? A crib? <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll like definitely. Hey, chair or a creepy seat. Yeah, Rich is a chain. You're going to have a newborn here in, in October. I don't, need, I don't need any wine. Yeah. I need a uh, maybe we a, can get you a lot of home yeah, monitoring. Baby toys. Like Check. Gift certificates of baby like products. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. So, but what? trivia, you ready? Yeah, what's right. So, before tonight's game, Joseph Martinez had more or less than 50 shots this season. Not shots on goal, just shots in general. Did he have more or less wow. than 50 shots? I might be giving it away. Coming into tonight's game. He had what? 13 or 14 more. goals, so more. Your answer is more. Is that your final answer? Yes. You are correct. 57 shots, and only 23 of those were on goal. One for one. One for one. Uh, are you going to keep up with this for me, Dave? Because I, I don't you. have a pencil here. I got you. How many goals does he have this season? This season, this including evening? he had two goals this evening. <laughs> Boom. Including Margaret. Yeah, I wrote this knowing that he was going to score tonight. I was an optimist, including tonight. Mm. How many goals this season? Oh, no, this season, does he have, including tonight? Like, uh, like in competition or MLS? I think this is just MLS. Oh, that's a good point. Is this, it US this Open is, included this or not? This is just MLS. What a, okay, so not including like... Yeah, because I did look this up. I so I didn't sure give it away because I gave a number, but I didn't actually say which okay. one was. Just MLS games. Oh, jeez. 11? 15. Really? He's a baller, yeah, man. 13 plus yeah. 2. 15. Wow. 13 plus 2 tonight. Yep. Dude, he's been crushing it lately. All right. How old is Ezekiel And I just want to say, he's a... Uh, I mean, Vale is running away with the scoring title, but it's him and Ibrahimovic are neck and neck for a second. Yeah. I, um, I wouldn't put Joseph... You know, if we can click on some cylinders, that guy oh, he, catch up. He's, he's, and that's something that we didn't get into earlier. Is like the like the, the development of so like the relationship, man. like hey, him and Miriam was having, and him and, and Martinez are starting to develop. It's, it's yeah. kind of exciting. So mm-hmm. whatever. Ezekiel Barco, Ezekiel Barco, how old is he? Oh. How old does he look, or how old is he? How old is how old is he today? <laughs> How many years of age? I give he? you a hint. He just played in a World Cup that has an age. Right, and, uh, and then that's what I'm saying. But like, so he's 22 then, or 21. It was What's your final answer? World Cup. Yeah, so I thought he was 21, but you're like, yeah, he's 21. That's incorrect. He was. He's 20 years old, born in March of 1999. Dave, yeah, you're fucking 20. me up. <laughs> Under twenty one cup. cup. Okay. All right, so you're one. For I, I mean, no, I, I knew he was young as shit. You're one, I thought, I thought one for three. Oh. All right. 
That was it. Interference. I'm gonna. He gets a red. He gets a red card. He gets a red card. I was trying to help. I was gonna give him a yellow card. Question number four. Okay. Barco in Spanish means what? (laughs) Bar. I don't know. (laughs) Come on, man. This is you're gonna you're gonna go back to seventh grade Spanish. You're gonna kick yourself. Dave, you know this one? Maybe. It's an easy one. Yeah. I could take a guess. Dave's gonna take a take a guess. You wanna you want a lifeline? Dave, what's yeah. your Is it ship? It is ship. Yeah. Alright, so we're gonna get we're gonna okay. give you that since we're gonna give you one lifeline that's it's a weird question. The it first is it is a weird yeah. question. That's what we're here for. We right. had one uh, previously about PD and his uh, bird yeah. nickname. You're two for two you're two for two kind of. And all right, if we win the US Open Cup. What tournament does this qualify us for next season? Uh, let's see. Uh, God, you're also terrible. <laughs> Do you need another <laughs> lifeline? Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Confederations Cup. Yeah. It is Champions Cup. Yep. Ch- Champions League. CONCACAF Champions League. We'll give we'll it give to you, Rich. That. We'll give it to you. That was soft. The Confederations Champions. Cup is a weird tournament. That's the one they hold just right. before the World Champions. Cup. And yeah. it's, it's yeah. all the Confederation Champions. So that's three. I said Cup for League. I was just talking the other day about how nobody remembers the U.S. actually got to the final of the Confederations Cup in South Africa. We beat Spain and we lost 3-2 yeah. to, two to Brazil that in the final. That was a great year. Yeah. That was, I was, was thinking about this because Charlie Davies... Who was an up and coming star, played on the team, and then he got hurt in a car crash. But he was commentating on the Atlanta United Kennesaw game. I was like, Charlie Davies! What? How is that possible? But he apparently is no longer capable of playing, but he's still fine to commentate, so that's good. Well, that's good. Please, for us. Just still for it. Okay, question number six. What are we? Four of. Were we actually giving you four or five? That was. Yeah. You're four yeah. of five yeah. so far. Yeah, I'm killing it. You're killing, yeah, you're killing it, kind of with Barco going to the lifeline. But this the rapper, first and last name required, is behind the song We Ready. We Ready. We Ready. I mean, I know the song. Who's the rapper? Who's the, oh. who's the artist? Oh, okay. Oh, artist. Who's the artist? First and last name required. But there's a rapper? It's not based well, on like, who's an artist, the, whatever. He's who a rapper. stole from? No, I think it's an original. It's a, yeah, yeah I think it's original. Yeah, original. Young Jeezy? His name is Archie Eversole. Uh, he, he was at the big celebration party. Yeah. See, I hung out parade. with Brother Neversole. Yeah. All right, so, <laughs> Richie Neversole. So now Bad you dude. are... We have a bunch of rappers to follow the team, like Waka Waka Black. Archie, Archie uh, Reversol. What are you, three of re, re, six? What are we, one, two? So They're using ready? it now in the NFL, so who, too. Yeah, you know, they stole it we from ready? us. So who They're using it, it for the NFL nah, nah, nah. commercials. Hey, hey, hey. Four of six. That's what I was thinking that's about. That's an old song. I know, that's who I was thinking <laughs> about, not, not Reggie Neverthal. Yeah. All right, name three of the four Atlanta United Atlanta United supporter groups. Name three of the four. Um, what's a supporter group like? The bigger sponsors? No, no the, the, the supporters, supporters groups. Supporters, like the, like the people section. that are in the crazy section that chant 
They actually have, there's four of them. Oh, like the Atlanteans, like that. Well, see, no, they're not actually an official group, but you're you're, you're on the right. So you're we not going to credit for that one. I don't think you're going to get Atlanteans. this question correct. Dave, you want to help? I give him one. You want, you want? Yeah, give him one. Give him what one. About terminus. Terminus who? Oh, Terminus is an actual group? Terminus doesn't have as another name? Terminus Legion. We have support. Terminus, Terminus Legion. Legion. Okay. Is Terminus Legion? Terminus Legion yeah, is, just, just is the name. Yeah, just tell them to because I, I definitely don't know. I'm not All right, that. so the Faction, Footy Mob, and Resurgence. Yeah, I could have gotten really? Footy Mob Terminus and Legion, Resurgence, I've never heard of the Mob Faction, faction. Though. That should, might be my bad. I'm sorry if faction, you're in the Faction. Yeah. Those are the four. I haven't heard of that one. Is yeah. this, is, should I know these guys? Well, they're the ones who get all the. They're the one who make they all the, the noise in the corner. They rotate. Actually, they do. Yeah. The TFOs yeah. are actually made independently by those groups, and then they make them once every four ones, and they rotate amongst the squares. Okay. I, I appreciate they were right. Yeah, they're, they're cool. cool. Yeah, but does that mean I this should is know? a fifty-fifty <laughs> question <laughs> did, did coming up, Rich? No. You ready? No. Kennesaw State's third fifth bank stadium holds more or less than ten thousand. Seems more like 50, or less chance. than 10,000. Yeah. More. You're going more? Yes. That's twice in a row you've got more. Are you sure? Final answer? Yes. That's correct. Oh. 10,500 is the nice. supposed seating. All right. Recent signing of Emerson Hydeman is on loan from what club in England? Hinman, by the way. Huh? Hinman. <laughs> Hinman, Bournemouth. Yes. Well Boom. Done. Look at you. Oh, yeah. Look at that. I wasn't well expecting done. you to get that one. Bournemouth. No hesitation. Yeah. All right. I like mean, soccer shit. I mean, like, I'm, here's I'm another 50 50 question. According to Forbes' article, a Forbes article in November 2018, the net worth of Atlanta United is less or more than $350 million. More. That's incorrect. It's less. Three hundred and thirty million. Really? According to Forbes. But that's a tough one. Wait, wait, what was the date on that? November two thousand eighteen. So you, Oh, check that shit today. I know, but this the question says according to Forbes. Uh, I missed, in November two thousand eighteen. Today it's more. To, yeah, you're probably correct. Alright. You still lose. All right. Was that the was that the win lose question? Was that that was over? it? That was the make or break one. And make or break. Missed it. Oh, you give me make or break. Like three <laughs> questions hey, ago. You got a red card. Sorry. All right. You got a All red right, card. So what did I not win? Lifelong friendship with you guys. All right. You can keep the hat. Don't worry. I can keep, keep the, the hat. hat. That's all that matters. Thing is as, long as, as long as I can keep the hat. I'm good. All right. So we are what an hour and twenty two minutes oh, into that's the cast. Very long. We're. we're 122 minutes so even longer than that so hold on rich we've talked anything else we want to talk about before we no. shut it down sorry i rambled the red one is kicking in all right rich um this season is a little easier to bitch about things um but it's been fun being an atlanta united fan what do you dislike or hate the most about atlanta united whether that be Coaching, playing, environment, uh, other exterior factors like people who don't know shit about the yeah, game it's, or whatever. It's the people that don't know shit. It's, it's really, you know, we're slightly more educated soccer people and soccer fans. Like, and having people that are just down there like, so 
hey, I'm supporting the team, but then have no idea what soccer's about. It can be annoying. Yeah. You know, for sure. So that's that's probably about what I... That's fair. Yeah. I would say, you know, I've been a little bit... I I don't disagree with you, but the whole stadium, I've been fairly impressed by the sophistication. Like when we yeah. get out of a tight spot and switch the ball, whatever, they understand definitely it, yeah. uh, an appreciation for that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, they, 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 they kind of flow with the masses. But then yeah. you're, you're also <laughs> going to get, with that, you're going to get the fucking drunk ass who his only soccer knowledge comes from, his yeah. five-year-old who's been playing for two years that's yeah, really some, passionate about some... drinking beer and, and watching sports that's going to fucking yell, yell incorrectly about a lot of stuff. And so it's, it's, it's those guys. Yeah. I fucking love them to death. I'm still going to be fucking hugging them and flapping them. Five and fives when we score. All right. Well, Rich, thank you for joining. Yeah, sorry. I We're going to call it a wrap. Thanks, everybody. This has been an ATL on Fire production. Hope you enjoyed. All right, soccer nerds. If you made it this far, jump on Twitter and follow us at ATL on Fire. Our website is www.atlonfire.com. Also, if you have one of those awesome Alexa Echoes, Dots, whatever they're called, uh, or one of those Google Homes, etc., you can feel free to just talk to us. Say, hey Alexa, listen to the latest ATL on Fire podcast. Or, hey Google, listen to the latest ATL on Fire podcast. Boom. There we are. You're up and running.